1: Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust
0: Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for
1: exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Too bad, so sad. Kids suck it up. What fresh hell. (laughs) Laughing in the face
0: of motherhood. Don't yell at us with margaret Apples and amy
1: wilson don't speak to me go down and sleep in the basement a podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to shaking their fist at the heavens
0: <laughs> hello everyone and welcome to what fresh hell laughing in the face of motherhood this is margaret
1: and this is Amy. And today we got a really good suggestion from a listener. We're going to do an episode on being our kids safe space, why we apparently have to do it and why it stinks sometimes.
0: I definitely want to start with, do we have to do that? Is that a requirement? Because <laughs> I do not remember signing that paperwork. <laughs> right. Because as I think we've discussed, there is a fine line between being our kids safe space
1: and being our kids dumping ground. Being the kid's wet towel that they leave on the floor when they're done using it. Yes. and I mean, this is one of those, let's talk about it because I need some help around this. Can I read you Michelle's question? Yes. She wrote in to say, Hey, Amy and Margaret, first of all, I just want to say how much I love your show. A very good way to start any message to us. Always open all letters with that, please. I have been pondering something, Michelle says. I call the safe space paradox. This is why children behave completely differently and worse around their primary caregiver than they do around literally anybody else. Michelle says, I have a two and a half year old and a four and a half year old. I am mostly a stay at home mom. Needless to say, I'm frequently exhausted But I'm repeatedly told by grandparents, teachers, my husband, that the children were perfect angels for them. And the minute I open the door, it's a cue for my children to resume the whining, the fighting, the crying. I understand that this is probably because of the deep emotional connection they have formed with me as their primary caregiver. I am their safe space to dump all of their negative feelings. But is there any research on ways to actually improve this? And is there any chance that I can actually enjoy this precious side of my children? (laughs) no, there's no
0: chance. And that is the end of the
1: episode. Sorry. And goodbye. Solved it. (laughs) But I think talking about why it is and like we always do, here's the problem. Here's when it gets really bad. Here's what we try to fix that doesn't work. And here's what we try to fix it that will work.
0: Yeah. And I am interested in a way that I'm not always with our questions about whether or not being our kids safe space is even the right choice. I mean, I don't know that I'm not even willing to start with that as like absolute, you know, because I don't know that, I mean, was your mom, was your grandma, your parents safe space? I mean, I agree being supportive is good, but I'm not sure about this safe space thing.
1: Well, your primary caregiver is going to, you know, set up how you relate to the world and how safe you feel in it for the rest of your life. So, you, yes, that's just relationship. It's the most important relationship. So... If your kid is flinging themselves on the ground and having a tantrum in a way, it's like, good job, mom. You're a safe space, right? <laughs> like they, they feel attached and safe with you, <laughs> right? Which is important and all. But yeah, that doesn't mean you have to be a doormat. But yeah, if your parent isn't your safe space, that's not great. Right. I'm not under the impression that it's fine
0: to just be like, too bad, so sad, kids, suck it up. Yeah. I mean, I'm not great Santiniing over here, but I do sometimes wonder about this idea of like, Your job is to be safe. It's complicated.
1: Well, so why do kids do this? I got a couple of ideas for you. Okay. There's a psychologist. Her name is Dr. Crystal Lee. And she says, I mean, the obvious kind of thing think about the way that you act as an adult. You probably act more put together and formal around strangers and then around your friends and family. You are your true, authentic self. Warts and all, like if you have a bad meeting at work, you are going to be crankier about it at home than you were on the Zoom with eighteen people watching.
0: Yeah, see also me getting in a fight with my husband and then going to a cocktail party. Like (laughs) I'm quite good at putting on the mask of like we're the happiest couple ever, you know.
1: And then I get home and it's like, don't speak to me. Go down and sleep in the basement. Right. Exactly. So we do it too. Okay. So and our kids are maybe not as good at coping and managing and you know being. They can lose their completely go ham when they haven't had a snack in two hours in a way that we've maybe learned to manage a little better. Sometimes. But maybe not always. Yeah. But... There are two other things. There's actually two other things at play. I, thought, I think I know one of them, but lay it on me. One is obvious and one is totally was a, a sort of an eye opener to me. So Dr. Steve Silvestri, who's a, also a psychologist, says that two other things are in play. That kids crave you, the primary caregiver, your attention more than anybody else. Like your attention is the most important. I mean, biologically, a biological imperative, right? Mama bird is to come back to the nest and feed me. So they will do anything to get your attention, and negative attention counts. Very important. Yes. Positive attention, usually preferred, but any attention better than no attention. In a storm, any attention will do, right. And they'll get more extreme when they need more attention. And so, you know, get curious about what's lying underneath the challenging behavior and but that's the challenging behavior. And then this, I thought, was really fascinating. He says the other thing that's in play here is that we as parents are more inconsistent often than the other adults in our children's lives. He gives the example of like kindergarten teacher, 25 kids, there are rules. The rules stay the same. You stay on your spot when it's story time, you know, whatever it is, right? She's not playing or he's not playing. And then they come home to us and they can push boundaries a little more because we're not going to say you have to go to the principal's office, right? So. They can work our last nerve. They can ask for snacks a sixth time, and then maybe sometimes we say yes. And so we're inconsistent, and it's safer to push the boundaries and look for inconsistency than it is in other places in their lives.
0: For sure. Makes a ton of sense. And it's the thing of you can't really run your house like a kindergarten classroom. I mean, you could try, but you can't be like, great, you're home from school. Sit on this square. And I'm going to read you a story and then we will march in a line where we all, there's a line leader and we all follow into the kitchen. And we talk about this a lot, right? That choices are hard, you know, choices make things, the freedom that you want your kids to have to explore and figure out who they are, they're also going to be exploring their behavior, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not always quite as ideal.
1: And something else occurs to me that the last two years have been, for every single person alive in the world, unrealistic expectations. Uh, Agree. Hard agree. Right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'm thinking of my nephew who, for, you know, a COVID cavalcade of reasons has had to be doing remote pre-K. It's over now. Thoughts and prayers to those moms. Right. Like, he was home for weeks because he's not vaccinated yet and his class isn't either and this brother had it and then that brother might have it and just the clock kept resetting in a comical way and my sister took these pictures of him you know holding up his you know valentine's day art to the camera like you know doing his best this four-year-old i'm gonna sit nicely and i'm gonna try really hard to stay focused and look at the zoom camera the whole time and you know unmute myself and raise my hand like all these things like he's four so and we're asking kids to keep masks on or like i mean no matter what the rules are where you live there have been more rules there have been insane things we're asking kids to do that they don't usually have to do staying 3 feet away in the cafeteria and then they come home and they're like what I hadn't thought of it this way, but it definitely reminds me, my dad commuted to the city, worked,
0: wore a suit, you know, like he was kind of a madman, you know, brill cream and like wore a (laughs) suit and got home (laughs) off the train and he'd be like, honey, I'm home and hey kids and like rustle our hair. But then he would go upstairs and take his suit off and... I mean, then like changing to like what I would now consider the height of, you know, fancy clothes, like a sweater and slacks and nice pants, (laughs) slacks, you know, like he. (laughs) now my husband changes it to like a drawstring pajama bottom. And, you know, but anyway, loafer instead of a tie shoe, sit down and have a scotch. (laughs) And it was like, well, that's over. And now I can really be me. Yes. And I think that that is part of being the safe space and home is your safe space and your place to be yourself. And I think i mean i'm all for having a home where people feel relaxed and feel the ability to be themselves but the flip side of that is behavior i remember reading once about a college some sort of religious college that was you know very serious and rule oriented and one of the things that was a reporter writing about it said is You know, unlike being at a million college campuses, that the kids at this college, they all had very serious haircuts. They all wore, like, you know, sweater vests. But when they walked, they walked on the sidewalk and then they would make a turn and like make the turn. And then at every other college he'd been at, the kids would take the lawn cut, right? They would cut across the corner of the sidewalk on the grass. But these kids just were like very regimented in the way they did everything. Yes. And then they would sit down at their desk and take out their pen. They were just extremely regimented people. And Pros and cons to that, right? And that's the thing. I don't want to run a regimented home. That's not the kind of home I'm interested in having. But as a result, I'm kind of constantly frustrated by the metaphorical cutting across the grass that is always going on in my house.
1: Uh, (laughs) It's exhausting. (laughs) And may I say, you're the grass. Like, they're walking on uh, you. and it, I am the grass. It really helps. Another thing that, that can be harder, I think, is if you're the only parent around when this stuff is happening. Like, say this tends to happen in the after-school hours. There's something called after-school restraint collapse. We did a whole episode on this. Yes, we have talked about that. And Yeah, I mean, you recently talked about uh, the after-school hours, and we actually did a whole episode several years ago. I'll put the links in the show notes about why 5 to 8 p.m. is the worst time of day and how to make it a little bit better. We have established that, yes. And the after-school restraint String collapse is a term that was coined by somebody named Andrea Loen Nair. And, you know, we all know what it is. We just, I just love that there's a name for it. They, as soon as they get through the door, they fall Well, apart. it's one of those good names where you're like, got it. Know exactly what you're talking about there, Andrea. Know what you're talking about. And at least in my house, the after-school. Restraint, collapse, they're saving all their love for me because I was the one who was around in the after school hours. Just this morning, I was at the breakfast table with one of my children. I won't specify which one who responded to me asking (laughs) for their own safety, who just like, you know, twice in a row was like, I already told you that. Like, why are you asking me? Like, I was asking, like, do you need a ride to the practice on Friday or whatever it was? I was, you know, engaging them in conversation that was to the betterment of their own (laughs) life in the very near future. Why do you always do You always do that, and all I have to do, you know, is make eye contact with my spouse across the table to know. Okay, it's the child. It's not me. He sees it too. This is an overreaction, and that prevented me from doing what I would tend to do, which is like, are you kidding me? I'm asking you if you need a ride to practice. Like you're gonna, and I need to know. And I'm trying to help you here. That. I feel like I have to do sometimes when you're on the receiving end of way more of this than your spouse. It's hard when you're the only one. You feel like you have to defend yourself.
0: And I mean, I do think this is an area where you and I have different styles. Like, I don't know if I cannot, I will not. Like, this is the fight of my life in my house right now, because I cannot let that stand. I just cannot say... Let's get what's underneath this. I just constantly, and I'm not saying I'm right because I do find myself stuck in this loop of like, you will not talk to me that way. Do not speak to me that way. I am not going to help you when you're speaking to me that way. And I do feel like I'm going crazy doing that, but maybe it's how I was raised. I don't know what it is, but I do not have an ability or maybe even a desire to get underneath that when that's the place where I'm at with my kids.
1: It's really Hard. I'll tell you what, I had to get underneath it. And I'm not sure that everybody has to do that, right? There can be a kid to whom you can say like, hey, don't talk to me like that. And then they don't. No, it's not working in my house. Right. If they respond with like, oh, okay, like I can take it to 11. Let's see. Let's go. If you have that and it's happening more because your kid really needs a safe space right now for reasons that may not even be clear to you and they're taking a lot out on you you know, sometimes saying like, do you understand that that is not, it doesn't work or it doesn't always work or it doesn't work long enough. And so I kind of had to figure something else out. I think I might be close to needing to figure something else out. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'll explain something that really helped me put this in perspective. I cannot wait. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they
0: have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one.
1: Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into.
0: You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trust
1: When you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong.
0: That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I
1: know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins
0: are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about.
1: We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go
0: to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults.
1: I was saying to you, I remember when we were talking about getting ready for this episode, that sometimes you do, you feel like you're the towel that they wipe their dirty hands on. And then they go off to school or the cocktail party, like you were saying before, like having dumped it on you, all their bad feeling. They're like, "Ah," and they put on their backpack and go off to have a day. They feel better and off they go. There's a Madonna song. You know,
0: I like to do all of our parenting tips through Madonna songs when possible. Yes. Great opportunity. There's a Madonna song called Human Nature. It's a deep cut. It's for the real ones. It's for the real Madonna fans. I'm not sure I know it, and
1: and I was a Madonna fan. Let
0: me just say, I'm tipping my virtual rubber bracelets to you, if you know the song Human Nature by Madonna, because it's not for everybody. Tell me which, what it has to teach me. I mean, I can't tell you because we're a clean podcast, but I'm just going to say that there is a line in the song where she says, I'm not your bee, don't hang your oh. blank on me. That's the song. And that phrase... And her voice repeats in my head, I'm going to say 100 times a day. Like, it's exactly how I feel so much of the day. Like, who do you think I am that you're just going to walk by and drop all your garbage on me? Yep. And then expect me to make you dinner? I don't know. I think I take it too personally. And I will say that my husband does say to me often, like... You need to disengage with this a little bit, but I feel very
1: righteous about this. I do not think it is acceptable for someone to speak rudely. I have a part two about that, which is if you're the default parent, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, not, we didn't make up this term, but it's very useful, right? That parent who knows that it's, you know, spirit week next week and knows where the glue sticks are. And (laughs) that's the default parent. Raising my hand. Yeah. The default parent, if you're listening to this podcast, you are almost certainly the default parent. And the the default parent also takes on more of this stuff. And it can really, what would really send me around the edge is when my spouse who worked outside the home would, you know, walk by the stuff and be like, you need to just let it go. And something else that had happened in our house was actually like, no, you need to take on some of this. I need to not be the only towel that hands get wiped on around here. And I know it's super unpleasant, but you got to stand in the gap. And we worked on that and it's gotten better. So, before the break, I was saying I was going to tell you something that helped me reframe this. Yes, This is incredibly frustrating. This does help me that when somebody is in... A dysregulated state, right? They're super anxious. They're drowning in an emotion right now, right? And there's fear, there's anxiety, there's anger, whatever it is. They want to evince in you. They're not aware of doing this, but they are trying to make you feel how they feel so that you understand. And our kids who are less mature than we are, because we would always be able to use our words and talk it out and never take anything out of anybody else. Have we met Amy? Not always, but okay. I mean, our kids can't do what (laughs) we can do. We would never do this. But you know, I had a kid who was really explosive for a while and this kid was going through stuff and it was very hard to be on the receiving end of that. But once I could reframe it as like, this kid is really in distress, and this kid is pushing all the buttons at once in order to say, mom, like, see how distressed I am? See how bad this is? See how bad this is? And it was very stressful and distressing. Yes. But it helped me when I would feel it, when it would drop in and I would all of a sudden be triggered and feel like, you can talk to me like that, to kind of just take a moment and be like, oh, look, here it is. This child wanted me to understand the feeling. Got it. Message received. I've got it. Yeah. Wow. This is how upset this child is right now. Wow. This is the depth of their feeling right now. Wow. It's a lot. And then not, you know, swallow it down and keep it from my very own, but more like observe it from a distance. Does that make any sense?
0: It does. But my follow-up question is like, can we have both? Can I say to my child, I can tell you're really, really upset right now. And I think we should start this conversation again in a few minutes when you can talk more kindly. Like, it to me, the ending, which is like, I totally understand that you're upset and therefore you talking to me like I'm a moron because I don't know how to make eggs. There must be a lane in which I don't let that stand because
1: I can't. I can't let that stand. I cannot have a kid screaming at me in my house. Yeah. I mean, and... Our case, when I was saying before, like it took like my spouse kind of showing up more, it, I felt that I needed my spouse to in those moments be like, hey, don't talk to your mother like that. She does a lot, you know, she did, did, did. And because they're not in the firing line, they're not the one who's been triggered. You're the one who's been triggered, right? They're saving all their love for you. And they're like, what do you always do? That the parent who's just sort of walking by, they can sort of stick their head in and be like, hey, 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 she's just asking you if you need a ride or not. And a little bit of that actually helped. That has helped us a lot.
0: I agree. That has helped us a lot. And one thing you said on the podcast, I don't even remember what we were talking about as a while ago that has really helped me is like, if you have any plausible deniability to have not heard it, let it go. Mm. Because that's something that I have really been working with because I will hear any of my kids say. stupid roll and I will charge up the stairs and be like, excuse me, what did you say? And I'm in it. I'm throwing, I'm grabbing the can of gasoline and running towards the fire at that point, which I, that I feel like is a habit you helped me break. Like if there is any deniability about, if you want to be upstairs in your room saying that I'm an idiot. Mom's the worst. Yeah. 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 You can rage because you're allowed to feel that I'm the worst. It's fine. And it is important for you to sometimes feel that I'm the worst. Like we've talked about that. Developmentally, it is important to cleave from me in that way. Uh But I do draw the line. at if you are talking directly to my face rudely. And again, I have I used to be like, you will never respect my authority. You will never speak to me Mm -hmm. that way. And this house here is my check on the whiteboard for you. I have tried to come in under it as much as possible. But I will in this situation, if you speak rudely directly to my face, I will say, I can see you're really frustrated and upset and I hope I can help you, but I can only help you if you can talk politely to me.
1: Yeah. And if you can do that without being triggered, I think that's the key. It occurs to me, you know, when your kid, we don't want our kid like, you know, fire hosing us in the face with mom, you're the worst. Cause then we get Triggered me, take it on. And yeah, I can separate from it usually if my kid is sort of upstairs. I mean, they're not, you know, they're yelling and, you know, and slamming the door or whatever. Like, left them because that's better than fire hosing you in the face with that stuff. And it is progress. You're moving towards what you want, which is them self-regulating without like pulling on you while they're doing it. That's progress. But if once we feel triggered, that's when we'll, we will march up those stairs like, what did you say? I think to, right, we'll keep the fight going because now we're triggered too. I have
0: almost broken myself of that habit, I feel like. And then the other thing that you talk about, which is super important, is help find an end. Because I will tend, I will say my most explosive kids after the explosion, Inevitably come downstairs and their first words are, I'm sorry, which is really impressive. It's a big deal. A really big deal. And I have, again, through amazing amounts of effort and your guidance to some degree, broken myself of the habit of, yo, you're sorry now. Well, I guess we need to learn that if you just speak correctly the first time. Now I try really hard when I hear I'm sorry to go over, give a hug, and say, I understand. I know you're really frustrated. And I'm sorry that you're so frustrated. Although I'm not going to lie that as I enter the teen and twin years, I do sometimes instead say, if you say you're sorry 500 times, it doesn't count, (laughs) (laughs) which is not the right response by it. But I am a human being like I feel like kids saying they're sorry is pretty great. Yeah, but it is a little bit the thing of like, I mean, I have said to my spouse, this is when I read about abusive relationships, this is it, right? Like, you act the fool, you are abusive towards me, and then you come down in half an hour later, and you're super apologetic, and you're so sorry, and I am the
1: best ever. And I'm like, okay, here's a hug. (laughs) I'm like, I am in an abusive relationship. How many get out of jail free cards are there in a Monopoly deck? Are there two? Are there one? Yeah,
0: I think with your kids, yes, there's limitless. But then I will say the backup to that is that at family meetings, I will sometimes say we do family meeting on Sunday. It's very brief. Kids don't like it, but we make them do it. We now do a little church service that's on Zoom, and then the end of that, while we're already feeling prayerful and hopefully you know Christ-like, uh-huh. is family meeting. <laughs> And so we tack it on. We don't like call it, you know, it it happens as part of this other ritual. And I will occasionally say, listen, I really feel like this week I was taking way too much on. I was getting yelled at too often, you know, or I was being forced to say seven times to put your shoes on. And then you get mad at me because I'm frustrated. And so we do constantly try to reset this stuff while it's not happening, because I do think I don't want to train my kids to be like, if I want eggs, the correct response is to yell, I need eggs and I'm late and get, you know. Right. No, you can't go through life that way. Like, who are you going to interact with in your life? And then you're going to come down 20 minutes later and say, I'm sorry, I, I just was really stressed about my test today. Too bad. Don't act like a moron.
1: I think part of the problem, like when you feel like a doormat and they've taken stuff out on you, is that then we layer on top of that. I can't be treated that way. And also my kids can't treat people this way. Like, how have I raised humans who don't know how to be humans in the world? Right. And what we can lose sight of is that the other kids that we don't see behaving this way do behave this way. We just don't see it because we're not their safe space. For sure. You know what I mean? Like, do you think that your cousin would speak to my sister that way? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he does. But you don't see it. You only see other kids in their non-safe space behavior. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Nobody else's kids would talk to you this way because you're the safe space. Although... I think it's fair to say, having grown
0: up in a fairly, you know, strict Irish tradition from my ancestors, Mm -hmm. kids didn't speak to their parents this way back in the day because their parents would smack them across the face if they talked to them that way. That's right. And so I think what we're trying to find is somewhere where our kids should speak to us with respect. I believe that is a personal value. But we don't want to beat out of our kids any notion that they can have a sense of self outside of us. And so I think it's not just like our options are be the space, safe space, or hit our kids when they're rude. Like what we're looking for is a way to be strong disciplinarians that don't allow for any sort of behavior, but that also understand that like we want our kids to express ourselves in some ways.
1: We do want to know if our kids are having a bad day, if something happened at school or whatever, uh, that kid needs love. They might ask for it in an unlovable way. They might have a right full-scale meltdown over its meatloaf again. I feel like in the balance, I do want to know, you know, if my kid is like struggling with something, I don't want the relationship with me to be another unsafe space where they have to never take it out on me.
0: Well, and this is another great example for us of like, it's not doors, it's hallways, right? Like, it's not like one door is you have polite kids because you punch them in the face when they're rude. (laughs) The other door is your kids talk to you horribly and you take it because you're the safe space. Like, this is a journey of hopefully constantly reasserting and recalibrating Hey, when you're upset, it is okay. But when you take that upset and are cruel to me, it's not okay. And so, you know, how do we keep finding a place where you can express being upset in a healthy and respectful way? And that's a lot of what the work of the teenage and tween years probably are, you know, like because I am a firm believer, and I'm probably stricter on this than some, that I will not be spoken to rudely in my house. It's not going to stand. But then I have to figure out the systems that make that happen, where it's not just constantly me shrieking at my kids and being scary mean because you will not speak to me that way and you will respect my authority because that's not good parenting.
1: Where I get stuck or I have gotten stuck is when my kid is very agitated and kind of, you know, trying to pull me down, right? See how dysregulated I feel right now. And I've joined them in that space. Okay, I need a break. Let's have a reset, right? And I want to leave. And when your kid is in true distress and you are their safe space, even though you're taking it out on them, that can really induce like panic when, okay, now you're going to leave me alone with this. And I think like You know, we all know that a two-year-old needs her back rubbed when, you know, she's banging her chubby fists onto the ground because, you know, there's no more TV time. Like, we do understand, like, okay, this is a kid that's being taken over by forces much larger than she can control. But there are times when your tweens and teenagers are also like, they're not home right now, Mrs. Torrance, as we say, and they want you to help them, which means witnessing that and helping them through it without being triggered by it. That's really hard. I think I have an insight for you. Okay. We'll be right back. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white
0: sand beaches and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face.
1: You won't just feel great. You'll all feel great filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com.
2: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them
0: And now, if moms had spirit days. From the What Fresh Health Podcast. It's Monday, moms, and our theme is yoga pants and a sweatshirt day. We figured we'd start it simple and kind of ease you into the whole concept. Tuesday's
1: theme is at least you tried. Put on a smear of lipstick, wear matching socks, literally anything to make it look like at least you even tried. Okay, Wednesday's
0: theme is a little more advanced. It's put on a bra day.
1: Okay, all right, fine. T-shirt bras count, I guess. Thursday's theme is pajama day. Stay in your pajamas all day. But then tomorrow you should really try to get out of your pajamas, okay? Promise? Just one day where you get out of your pajamas? TGIF, moms. It's Friday, and your theme today is wacky hair day.
0: And it looks like you're all set already.
1: Do you even own a hairbrush? This has been If Moms Had Spirit Days. From the What Fresh Hell podcast.
0: I saw a documentary a long time ago called The Fires of Kuwait. Why this stuck in my brain, I don't know. But basically during the first Iraq war, Saddam Hussein, I think, lit all of these oil wells on fire as some sort of active sabotage. Please do not cite my history here. I am remembering this anecdotally, and this is probably nothing what happened. But anyway, picture like a field with 300 capped oil wells that have been uncapped and lit on fire. So they're just burning, right? And so they bring in teams, international teams from all over the world to put these fires out. Chaos, yes. And they are with the Swedish team. And what the Swedish team does is they put dynamite at the base of the fire, Because the whole idea of the burning oil is that you have to separate, the second you separate the fire from the oil, the fire goes out because it's fueled fire. So the Swedish team goes in and they put dynamite at the base and in the explosion, the fire and the oil separate for three seconds and that's enough to put the fire out. Then like the French team comes and they have a giant tube that they stick on top of the oil well. Now the fire is coming out of the top of the tube and they push the tube over and that separates the oil from the fire long enough to break the fire. And then another team whatever comes and puts a giant like blanket and snuffs out the fire.
1: I have a metaphor that's going to pay off here. This is like the amazing race with way higher stakes.
0: Yeah, and it's just like everybody understands that the basic concept is separate the oil from the fire long enough to put to so that it stops fueling it. Okay. But how you do that doesn't really matter. And that metaphor I think of all the time with tantrums. Like what we're trying to do is separate this crazy fuel of emotions from the fire that is burning our faces off, right? And so, what I try to think of is like, there are 10 strategies to do that. And it doesn't matter which strategy you choose. And on different days, different strategies are going to work. But your face being burned off by fire is unacceptable. So, like that's off the table. Yes. So, sometimes when my kid starts going, I will say, I think you would feel a lot better if you sat down and had a snack. And you can rage while you while I make it, but I want you to eat and I want you to work on coming down. There are times even with my big kids still where I will sit with them and like get a blanket and wrap it around them and just let them like scream their problems to me. And it's kind of crazy to do with a, mm-hmm. you know, older kid, but I still do it sometimes. And there are times where I say, I think it's time for you to go upstairs and be by yourself for a while. And they will go upstairs and kick the door and rage out. And I will hear them screaming, you know, this is the worst family ever. Why was I, you know, born here? It's horrible. (laughs) Crying out to the gods, as my friend says, (laughs) shaking their fist at the heavens. Yes, exactly. Why don't you go set the treadmill on 12 and see if you can keep up with it, you know? And it's not always that I have to be the solution, but I do try to remember the metaphor of like, I'm just trying to separate the fire from the oil and whatever gets me there is good. But standing here and being on fire... Is not what I'm gonna
1: do. That's right. And you're right. I'm thinking when you said you tell your kid to go upstairs, I think you need to be alone right now. There will be times when your kid does stomp up the stairs and slam the door. There will be times when your kid's like, No, when they just they take it up another level because that's really not what they need right now. And so then, okay, so that approach, the French approach didn't work today. Let's move to the the Swedish approach approach, which is about sort of containing, you're creating the container. I'm stealing something here. Fern Weiss is a parent coach and she talks about this moment and you're the container for their out of control feelings. And it's your response that will control sort of hopefully how often and how long this happens eventually. But it doesn't mean being a doormat and it doesn't mean necessarily agreeing with them. So she says you have to respond when they're raging like everybody in this whole family hates me, let's say. That you respond to that with empathy. That instead of they're reading this whole family hates me and I you know and I'm the worst kid in the world. That you don't respond with no. Come on, you know that that's not true. Your brother just did this for you yesterday. You, that's not the moment for that. You say again something like I can see how frustrated you are. Boy, I can see this is really hard for you. Not agree with the emotion. I mean, you know, understand the emotion and show that you understand it. You don't have to agree with what they're saying. You don't have to prove it right or wrong. And if what they're saying is you're the worst mom in the world, it's hard not to be triggered by that. But again, you don't have to, you know, take the stand in your own defense at that point, right? Gosh, I can see you're really frustrated. And that can help. And Of course, now you might have a kid yell back like, duh, duh, I'm frustrated. And then you maybe just let that, you know, not go answered. But that's the way to handle it.
0: Well, and I think for myself, I like, I can see you're really frustrated. And then, as we've had guests say on the podcast before, you have two great options. Mm. You can go upstairs and just wail out, or you can get a snack, or you can go chill out in front of Fortnite for a while. Like, A, I acknowledge that you are frustrated, but B, is now it's time to go to great options that are not screaming and yelling Mm -hmm. at me and treating me like garbage, and I do find that that is where I land. Like, So you have I can see you are so stressed about your test. And I just had this with one of my kids, kind of ranting and raving. And I said, you seem so frustrated. Can you tell me what's going on? Well, I have the science test and I have a Boy Scout meeting and I just, I don't think I can do both. And I said, all right, well, my husband does Boy Scouts. What are they doing tonight? Okay. It's prepping for something that he's actually not going to. And I said, let's do this let's skip Boy Scouts tonight, concentrate on this, and then we'll know Like we can't skip it for the next couple of weeks. But I think it's reasonable to say we can't do both of these things successfully, so let's make a choice. And then he said, okay. And then I do try to underscore, it's really helpful when you're frustrated to lay out the problem because there's often a solution to it. But if we're just getting the frustration, it can't be solved. And Listen, like all things, is your kid going to yell at you, be rude, (laughs) rant and rave? They are. But I think the times where you can say, what's going on? You're stressed about school? Okay. Maybe we junk the breakfast that you're really upset about. And I'll make you a peanut butter sandwich today. But that's a solution to a problem. That's not just me giving in to your crazy tantruming ways. Mm, mm -hmm. And kind of seeing this as like solution building versus just you're getting your way because you're being completely unreasonable and mean. Mm-hmm. I like
1: that. Yeah. I mean, I wish it worked all the time, Amy. I wish it did. There's a part of this that I'm still working on now for myself, which is like the sort of the final part of it is... As you say, when the spouse who maybe is not getting fire hose, like, just don't take it so personally. Just let it go. Just let it go. It's like walk away, spouse. No. Easy for you to say. Right. Exactly. Like I've just had 15 minutes of being yelled at that there's a process that you have taken up off stress. Like I remember hearing a long time ago. From a woman who worked as a massage therapist that after a massage, she had a sort of ritual for herself that she would go and wash her hands with very cold water, as cold as she could stand it and wash her hands thoroughly. Not because they were dirty, but because she imagined while she was massaging somebody that she was, you know, pulling out of them all of the tension, all of the negativity, stress, sadness, whatever it is, grief, and you know, that she's working on. And then she had to wash it off her hands. And of course, she didn't really think it was physically there, but that ritual was her way of sort of detaching from the stuff that she just took on for somebody else. And I think where this really gets hard for us is that we are being the safe space for the eight-year-old yelling at us while the three-year-old needs a bath, right? And we can't go have a massage before we rejoin our day. We need ways to sort of discharge this for ourselves to sort of wipe it on our own towel. And I'm still working on how that happens. But I think we need to do it. And if we skip that step, that's when we get really burned out. Yeah,
0: I think that's right. And I think that people have really different set points for this stuff too, kids and adults. Yeah. My set point Of being disrespected is probably too low. You know, it's a battle I probably overfight, but I'm almost, I don't care what kids eat. I don't care about them looking adorable. They go to Christmas dinner and t shirts, you know, but speaking politely, I have a very low set point in terms of what I will take. I have a kid who has a very, very, very low frustration point, right? So (laughs) I have kids who can have a terrible day and come home and be like, oh, tough day. Can have a snack? All right, I'm on with it. I have other kids who if they have a terrible day, we're all going to have a terrible day. Like we're all going down that rabbit hole together. There's enough for everyone. Mm -hmm. There is no one set solution. But I would definitely put in people's path that the story of like, It is your role as their safe space to constantly get trod upon and what a gift it is that you are giving them and yourself by being that to kids is bonkers.
1: And not care about it, P.S. And then the only problem is you taking it personally. No, see, you can go through seasons with your kids that are hard.
0: No, I would really skip that. And I will say, I used to lead a Boy Scout den. And one of the things they tell you in the training is if your, your child's in your den But there's two leaders in every den. They say, have the other leader be your child's leader. Don't interact with your child because they have done studies in dens. And the kid, and I noticed this all the time, my kids who are usually like pretty (laughs) decent would be wild in Boy Scouts. And it's like they're showing off for their friends (laughs) that they don't respect my authority. But once my co-leader would say, hey, settle down, get in your seat. Oh, yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Fine. You know, like they, and I think, yes, your kids do, you know, want to test boundaries, want to test limits. It's fine to adjust those boundaries and limits. It's fine to adjust the size of the container, as you say, right? When it's working and when it's not working. And I also think it's really fine in terms of like, you know, I think of times in my life where I was having a really hard time and I always sit my kids down and I say, guys, I'm having a really tough time this week. You know, when my mom was dying, I sat them down and I said, I'm busy taking care of my mom. It is one of the hardest jobs I'll ever do in my life. I need you guys to be on my team. And it helps. I wouldn't skip that step either. No, Like, hey, sometimes we let it fly around here and I kind of take a lot of nonsense from you guys. But listen, it's not happening this week. That's right. I really need you guys to be extra kind to me this week because I'm having a hard time. I think that's such a good thing for your kids to hear. That they have to be your safe space sometimes. Yes, sometimes they do. Right. And that's part of understanding... How we act towards each other, too. And even, you know, we do, you know, we're today, we're going to the ice cream shop. I like the Italian ice shop better. <laughs> you're in a family. Sometimes it's your turn to get what you want. And sometimes it's someone else's turn to get what you want. Yeah. And sometimes it's someone else's turn to get what they want. And that is true about our emotions, too. Yeah. You know, that Mary Chapin Carpenter song, sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. Like <laughs> sometimes it is your turn to
1: have a hard time. But listen, sometimes it is my turn to be having a hard time. Yeah. And this is your safe space. What Fresh hell, listeners?
0: Oh, come on (laughs) in. But just don't
1: yell at us, please. We'll get enough of that. Whatever you do. Don't yell at us. We solved it. Nailed it, Amy. Forever. We nailed it. Yeah. (laughs) Until it happens again next week. When my house is a peaceful nirvana of no shouting, I'm going to have you to thank, Amy. Please tell your friends about the show. And if you haven't left us a rating or a review yet, please do so wherever you're listening. Tap some stars, throw us some love. It helps listeners find the show. And it's just a great way to pass the time. <laughs> it's just a great thing to do on all levels. Discharge the
0: stress from your kid yelling at you by tapping on your phone. By tapping that review. <laughs> but I would just say, give yourself a minute to calm down before you write the review. Because <laughs> right. otherwise, the review might, out might out not be very us. good. <laughs> and with that, thanks so much for listening, friends. And we will talk to you next week. So
1: long. So long.